Welcome to the Every Nation Taipei Podcast. We're here to help you know God, discover your purpose, grow in your relationships, and make a difference in Taipei, Taiwan, and beyond. We hope this message encourages you today. It's good to see you all. It's uh, always fun to, to get together. We are winding up the Red Letter Challenge. The reason why we're doing the Red Letter Challenge uh, is because too often the church has no influence, it seems like it has no influence, or sometimes the wrong influence in the community around us. And, so, and, and, and it really goes back to the fact that we're just not living the way that Jesus lived. So we don't see the kind of impact that Jesus had. And we want to change that. We want to start living like Jesus lived. And so this red letter challenge is really just looking at the red letter words, the words that Jesus spoke as he walked this earth and saying, how do we put that into practice in our lives? Because all around us are people who need Jesus. I love that song, Speak Jesus. You know, it just talks about how when we take Jesus into the broken places, into the hurting people around us, life begins to come. Change begins to happen. Healing comes. And so we want to take Jesus to those places, especially as we begin to look at the needs in the community around us. I was just reading this week about how uh, here, here in Taipei, as well as around the world, we see things like suicide and depression just on the rise as uh, an overflow of both COVID and all the lockdowns and then all the change and the, 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 uh, how the bottom has dropped out in so many areas of the economy and things are just uh, uh, changing. And it's just take, stolen people's hope, stolen people's future. And so we see that and, and we, uh, people are saying you know, it's just multiplying, multiplying depression and, and especially in young people. And it's easy to read these different statistics and just think they're just statistics. But actually those are real people. Some of them sitting around us, going to school with you, living in your apartment buildings, working in your offices. And as a church, we want to have an impact there. We want to be a place where people who are hurting can find healing. And so we want to take it out of statistics, and we're going to have a testimony today of someone who, who just is not one of those statistics, right? A, a real-life person that Jesus has touched. Let's invite Kirsten up here. Yeah. Come on up. Kirsten is from South Africa. So we're all about South Africa today. But she has a testimony. She's just going to share with us um, just how, how you dis just discovered um, the depression in your life and how you found healing in that. So why don't you share with us a little bit of your journey? So um, I, I discovered or had the self-realization of depression um, when I was in high school. And um, I've had remissions. And so... When I first realized or started questioning if I had depression was because everything just seemed meaningless and I didn't know what my favorite food was anymore and everything was just really bland and um, I had no motivation. So yeah, that's, that's how I started mm. questioning and then yeah, yeah. Start researching about depression. Okay. Yeah. We'll fill us in a little bit more about this journey that you, you took and, and how people helped you and how you found your way out of it, yeah. how God helped you. Yeah. Yeah. So um, thankfully, um, having educate, being educated about depression, I know that being someone with depression, you actually, um, you need to seek help. You know, you need to open up to people about it. Um, sometimes people really just don't know. Like, they, they don't have a radar. <laughs> and sometimes you might be just too good at covering it. So people don't know. And you, you, you got to share. Um, and so, like, I... Actually, the first time I shared, I was actually really discouraged. I mm. told a friend. 
And she was like, well, if you say you have depression, then you don't have depression. And I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, anyways, I, I started um, seeking counseling. Um, I was really close to a chaplain. And then she was like, yeah, um, maybe seek a psychologist. Um, and yeah, during that December, every December, I was um, an international student in Australia. Mm. And so I could only see my family once a year. And uh, yeah, that year, um, when I saw them, they, they just saw me. I was, I was a different person. I was uh, just like the walking dead. <laughs> I was like a zombie. Um, and I was just constantly sleeping, constantly tired, and I couldn't react. And um, basically, I, I started waking up every single day, like um, having the thought of wanting to end my life. Um, and I also lost my sanity, and I lost my identity. So I wasn't um, going to church. I was actually running away. I was trying to find all the different alternatives um, to church and to God and to Christ. I was like, oh, let me try this, let me try that. Um, and I just got more empty and empty. Um, and then, I, yeah, I had really bad insomnia. But then uh, with lack of sleep, you know, your depression and anxiety or whatever mental health gets even worse. And so uh, one day I reached out to my mentor. I was like, What's, um, can you get me in contact with the psychologist at school? Like, I need help. And so I went to her and I was like, I don't know what's important anymore. Like, I don't want to do anything, but I want to survive. Um, and why I also sought for help, why I didn't end my life, even though I had all those thoughts, was because my friends, um, knowing I had depression before, and also um, my mother and my family, um, they just always would reach out to me when I'm absent or when I reject to connect with them. So they just uh, really sought out sought after me and would send me messages like, hey, I, I know you don't want to talk, but I just want to let you know how much I love you and I'm here for you, um, just being there. And so I was like, no, I got to live. Um, and when I had those thoughts of wanting to um, end my life, um, literally, I always had another thought that held me on. Mm. And that thought was, <laughs> I'll give an example. I'd, I thought of like, oh, I wanted to jump out of my window from my apartment. And then suddenly I was like, no, I can't do this. Like the security guard is so sweet. Like he's going to need to like see my body splattered on the ground. And like, oh my gosh, like I'm going to curse this place. And my blood, my blood is going to stain on the ground and they're going to scrub me up. And I was like, no. <laughs> so I had a lot of like incidents every single time. I had like different methods. Um, sorry if it triggers you guys, but <laughs> I always had another thought. And I actually told this to my psychologist and she was like, well, I'm glad that's keeping you alive. <laughs> Yes, and I, that's really Jesus, you know. It, it's really, I, I didn't have any other explanation. Like, love, um, growing up, well, I started going to Sunday school when I was 13, and they always teach God is love. And um, just the overwhelming love among me, just, it was so much. I was like, oh, I was just, it, there has to be another explanation or supernatural explanation, and it just always brought me back to God. And I wanted to survive, so I needed hope to live. And um, I also, again, thought through every method, like, uh, what is my purpose? I started looking into family or what are their businesses or whatever. But the only thing that could give me hope was Jesus, his promises and his word and the body of Christ. Mm. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Um, one more thing. What would you say to the, the congregation here? What are some ways that they could help? 
or okay. discover, help people around them mm -hmm. uh, who are struggling with either depression or suicidal mm -hmm. thoughts. Anyway. Okay, so one thing is pray for your friends. Like really pray for your friends and always ask how they're doing. And also be open to share how you're doing. Because when you open your heart up, it also opens other people's heart up. And you don't need to be able to have experienced depression or like be a psychologist or know how to do these things. Just be there with them and ask them what they need. And most of the time they just need someone to sit with them because like um, you can dissociate when you have depression. You can't thread sentences together. You can't speak. Um, like for me, I lost my sanity. I was crazy. But my friends just sat with me and I went to connect group and they prayed with me. And they would listen to me ramble and not put sentences together, but they just listened. So just mm. be there with them. Presence is love. Yeah. So good. Thanks, Kirsten. That's awesome. Let's see. I think that's so key. It's so important just to, to be with people. You know, to spend time with them, to open up our hearts to them, to really share. It's uh, as we go, as we talk today about going, that's really all it means really is, is that we get out of where we are and go to others. We take the time to reach out to others. Doesn't always have to be uh, physically a geographic change. Uh, can just be an emotional reach out to someone around you. Just get out of your own little circle and reach into someone else's. Spend some time listening to them. Well, today we're gonna to be talking about, uh, about going, Red Letter Challenge. And uh, one of the things when I, when I moved here to Taiwan that, that people would, would talk to me about here in the church, I, I met some folks who were like super enthusiastic about hiking. And they'd always come and say, hey, you wanna hike? You know? and, and my wife and I, um, we don't do a lot of hiking. And, and when they started talking about hiking, they're like, you know, yeah, we're going to be gone for like four days on this hike. And we're going to be gone overnight. And I'm used to like, you know, the little 30-minute walk hike to, a, to a, you know, a, a waterfall or something. Better if it's paved, you know, something like that. But here in, in Taiwan, what I found out is there's this whole, uh, like, a, um, a community uh, of, of hikers. Yeah, hiker, hiking enthusiasts. And, and I didn't realize um, until recently why they were so excited about it. You know, because when I think about Taiwan, I, I don't think about mountains and hiking. I think about, you know, Taipei 101, uh, <laughs> right? That's all we see. When people say Taiwan, they see Taipei 101. And then I realized there's just mountains that all around that dwarf Taipei 101. And, and then you start seeing these photos of these different mountains. I don't know who, who, who can identify the mountains. We're a lot of mountain guys. They're all out hiking somewhere. <laughs> but this, these are all Taipei, Taiwan mountains. I think, uh, what is the name of this one? Jade Mountain? Yeah, no, this in, it, yeah, it's in, it's in Taroko Gorge, but I forget what the name of the mountain is. Um, and then this one? Taba. <laughs> okay. In English, in, in, I don't know either, but it's beautiful. Look at that thing. And then there's, oh, now I think that's Jade Mountain. Uh, which is just amazing, right? Trivia. Yeah, trivia. And then this mountain, I think this is Joy Mountain, is the English name for it. There's Jade and then there's Joy. And if you look at the little peak, there's a couple folks, there's a, there's a group of people sit, standing on, sitting on top of that peak. 
Uh, I think that's Jesus with his disciples. <laughs> it's a photo. That's why it's so beautiful, because when Jesus comes, everything looks beautiful. Um, someone took a selfie with Jesus. But, I, you know, you, you look at these photos, and then you realize there's a reason why Jesus loved to teach and, from the mountaintops, because it's gorgeous. You know, Jesus didn't like to be in ugly places, I think. He just he liked to be by the, the lakeside, fishing, and then up in the mountains, talking. Um, and, and then here's... Uh, the last mountain picture, there's Jesus' disciples going down the, the mountain in their cars. <laughs> he told them, go into all the world. So they hopped in their cars and we're going to go. Um, but quick, quick recap, since it's the last one. Red Letter Challenge, we've done be, which means to be with Jesus, be like Jesus. And, and I remember this, this story in, in the book of Acts as the disciples were preaching. And, and, the, and the, the religious leaders were trying to get them to stop. And they couldn't stop them. And then they realized these guys who are, who are just turning the world, are so bold and they're turning the city upside down. They've been with Jesus. They're, they're uneducated fishermen, but they've been with Jesus. And, and that's what marks our lives as we be with Jesus. And then forgive. And with the power of just being people who walk in forgiveness. And how that sets us free and sets others free. And then serving and the power of serving, and how Jesus came to serve. And the last thing that he did in the last supper with his disciples is he served. And then giving, how Jesus was just generous and said, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And his whole life was about giving, laying down his life, and how he marked out people who sacrificially gave. Uh, and then today we're going to talk about going. From Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. It says, then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Now this is after Jesus died, was buried, rose from the dead, but the disciples still didn't believe that he had risen from the dead. However, Jesus got sent word to them to say, meet, us, meet me in the mountains. You saw the picture of that, Jesus meeting him in the mountains, uh, in, 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 in Galilee. And so they went to go. Uh, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word, and especially these words of Jesus that inspire us, that teach us, but most of all, that transform our lives, Lord, because your words really are life to us. And I pray that today, Lord, as, as we spend these next few minutes together looking into your word, our prayers that would be more than just inspiration and information, but truly, Lord, as you speak, as your Holy Spirit speaks to our hearts, there would be a transformation in us and that we, that we would draw closer to you and become more like you. And so, Lord God, we, we open our hearts to you. And we consecrate ourselves and say, Lord, our hearts are yours. You come. You speak to us. You change and transform us. Because we want to look like you. We want to be like you. We want to be with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we're just going to kind of walk through. Here's, here's what we're going to do. Go tell it on the mountains. Jesus told his disciples on the mountain, and then they went all over all the hills. And, and spoke the truth, the gospel. And this is the steps that, they, that, that Jesus walked them through. Belief, authority, you got to go, disciple, baptize, teach, 
and presence. Those are just kind of the seven points that we're going to hit today very briefly uh, in the next few minutes. So first of all, belief. Believing is a choice. So the scripture, Jesus said, Then the eleven disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountains where Jesus had told them to go. Now it's interesting because Jesus had already sent Mary Magdalene and the, and the other Mary to tell them that they had, that they had seen Jesus. And they didn't believe the, the, the women. And then God, Jesus sent the, uh, the, uh, the disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus to them. And they still didn't believe. And so they, they had all these different reports that Jesus had risen from the dead. Jesus had told them himself that he was going to rise from the dead. In fact, he told them that when I rise from the dead, meet me in the mountains in Galilee. So this is uh, Matthew chapter 26, verse 32. He says, but after I have been raised from the dead, this is before he ever died, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. So he's already telling them, guys, after I die, I'm going to rise again, meet me in Galilee. And then when, the, when, when Jesus appeared to Mary and Mary, um, Jesus said to them, don't be afraid, go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. So Jesus both told them himself and then sent them another reminder that he was going to rise from the dead and they were to meet him in Galilee. But I think it's strange how they went there and then they actually saw him. So they had the promises that he told them when they were alive. They had these other people testifying that Jesus was alive. And then they see Jesus himself and some worship and some still doubt. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of that way too sometimes. God shows up in my life. God does amazing things. And by the end of the day, I'm still doubting. Did God really do that? Is He really going to come through for me? The very next time I face something, I'm like questioning God again. Are you sure, Jesus, are you really going to do what you promised? And that's just our human nature. And, and every single time, belief is a choice. You and I, we get to choose. Every day when we wake up, we get to choose. Why? Because... Our relationship with God is a matter of choice and a matter of belief. And it's based on every day us choosing to believe and trust Jesus. In the same way, we're just doing a, a, a pre-marriage counseling this week uh, online with um, people in, uh, anyway. So we're, we're doing pre-marriage counseling. And, and to get all these details, that's really unimportant, right? Um, so, but we're, we're doing this and... Um, and we're just talking to them about what marriage is and how relationships happen. And I said, you know, great marriages are not built by making one promise and then trying to keep it the rest of your life. Great marriages are meant by every morning you wake up and you make the same commitment again. Every day, first thing in the morning, you choose to say, this is the person I'm married today. This is the one I'm going to love today. It's saying, I get to choose you every day of my life for as long as we both shall live, which is awesome, right? It's just amazing. Uh, and so, yeah, yay for that. Yay for me. That's a, that's a jackpot. Um, but you know, that's what makes a relationship great, is that you continue, regardless of whatever you walk through, each day you choose to say, I, I choose you again. Because that's the foundation of a great relationship. And this is what Jesus invites us into. That every day when we wake up, this is what He does for us. The Bible says His mercies are new every morning. That every day when we wake up, He's got so many thoughts towards us, choosing us, loving us, that we couldn't even count them. That's how Jesus loves us. Every day He gets up and says, Man, I love you. I'm so glad to see you. I made you wake up this morning because I want to spend another day with you. And we get to choose how we want to respond to that. And if you're like me some days, I'm kind of like, ah, I'm 
too busy. You know, I, Jesus, that's really nice, that's really sweet, but you don't know what kind of problems and pressures I got. You know, and that's my whole prayer time. Um, but God gives us a chance every morning to wake up and to choose to love Him back. We get to choose to believe. Secondly, Scripture goes on to say, authority. He won. Jesus came and told His disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Why? Because He won the battle. Because He won the game. Because He dominated the, 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 His enemies. He dominated death. He dominated sin. And He says, now all authority is with me. So let's celebrate. And, and that's what this comes out of. It comes out of, guys, it's time to celebrate the victory already won. I, I, I love, you know, we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs so over on, in, in the States. And, and I think we're getting ready for the playoffs here too, right? Is that right, Clay? It started already? Did I miss out on that? I've been too busy watching the ones in the States. I got, we got to support the Kings, right? We all, no matter who you cheer for, we're all Kings fans, right? <laughs> <laughs> we love Clay's, Clay's like the, he's a mental health chaplain, all around guy with the, with the Kings. And so that's our team. Um, but you know, these, these teams, uh, when they win, the fans go nuts, right? They go, they go crazy, yay, we won, you know, and there's a celebration that happens. Uh, and, and, and sometimes, even in the, while the game, the battle is still going, you can tell who's gonna win. I think this last game, one, one of the, uh, one of the, the, the players on, on one team, actually two of the games, you know, he, young guy kind of made fun of the, of the superstar guy, was kind of, you know, trash talking him, and then the superstar guy just took over and said, okay, <laughs> let me show you how it's done. And you could just tell the game changed, and you could just tell that uh, they're gonna win, you know, because this guy is just taking over the game. And let me tell you, Jesus said, I've taken over. We're gonna win. I'm dominating. And you and I, that's what we disciple under. That's what we go under. We go under that authority. We get on the court knowing that Jesus is on our team and he's, going, he's already dominated. And so as we play this game, there's, we already have a victory celebration in us even while we're still playing. And there's a certain uh, cockiness that gets in you when you know you're going to win. When you step on the court and you know you're just better than this other team. And, and then everything starts coming together and you just, you know, everything starts to fire and, and you're just, you're, you're rom you know, romping on the other team. There's a certain confidence that comes into you. And God expects us to have that same kind of boldness as we go through life. Not a pride but a boldness and a confidence in knowing that the victory's already won. That's the starting point for us as believers as we go. Second thing, a uh, third thing, go means a change of location. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and, and the Holy Spirit. Now, as a, as a, a largely expat church, you already have gone and made a change of location for your job, for your health, for whatever it might be. But God is saying now, you need to go on mission. You need to go on purpose. And there's something about that as we obey God, that God's grace comes alongside us and we grow in God when we obey God. And so we step out and go, God meets us in that place. And I wanna encourage you as, as a church, we wanna be a church that goes. And you've already got it in your DNA because most of you, you either come from another country and lived here or these who are Taiwanese have said, I'm going to go to an expat congregation. I'm going to go and, and, and listen to these guys practice English on me. Um, <laughs> so you already have a heart for this. You already have some of that, that DNA, that kingdom DNA inside of you. Go, that going, well, like we talked about earlier, going is more than just geographic change. 
There's also emotional and spiritual relocation in our lives. Our focus spiritually might have just been ourselves, but now God wants us to focus it elsewhere. Our focus may have been, I just need to come and, and, and get more fellowship, come and worship, be with the brothers and sisters. And now God is saying, now, now it's time for you to go and to take what you've received here and give it to others. Because that's the kingdom and that's what we do. And, 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 and heaven celebrates when we do this. Why? Because it's walking in obedience. How many of you have been on mission trips? Anybody been on a mission team? Yeah, you know, there's something about when you go on, how many of you found when you went on a mission trip that your life was probably impacted more than the people that you went to? Anybody? Yes. I mean, that's always true, you know? Uh, and, and that's just, I think, God saying, yeah, I like that. And so he gives a little cheer and pours a little more extra grace on us when we do that. Let's, let's be a church that celebrates people who go. Whether it's going to the beach cleanup, to just go and help, you know, clean up and, and help the community, or sharing the gospel. I, I think our, our campus guys uh, with the, the, the mission. Well, mission team, why don't you guys, we didn't do the story. Why don't you guys stand up? Let's give a hand to these guys who came to serve us. Yeah. Thank you guys for coming. Thank you for loving our, our, our city and our nation and, and our church. Um, and they went and did an outreach with the campus guys last night. So, uh, and I love that, you know. Um, so let's be a church that goes. Amen. Uh, all right. From then on, Jesus began to preach, repent uh, of your sins and turn to God for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, this is the very first message that Jesus ever preached. So we have the last message that Jesus gave when he told his disciples to go. But the first thing he ever said was repent because the change of location that begins in our hearts. And repent is simply turning from going this way to going that way. It's changing our mindset from here to there. And so going begins in the place of repentance. And as Christians, repentance should mark our lives. Theolo theologians often say repentance is the first word of the good news, the first word of the gospel, because it's the first thing Jesus said. And what he's saying is, you need to change. And as Christians, there's always something that we need to change. Almost every day. There should be repentance in our lives. Be, and and, and the, the only reason there isn't is normally because either we have too much pride, we don't want to change, or we're just not sensitive to the Spirit uh, who's, who's saying, hey, you, you could, this could be better. Uh, sometimes it was just that stubbornness. I know with my wife, sometimes she, she wants to correct me and show me better things, and I just want to be right. You know? So I'm going to ignore her and say, no, you can't be right. I'm right. You know? uh, and then finally I realized, actually, that was much better. You know? um, and, and that's where we are, we are with God so often. He's trying to show us a better way. And he says, repent. You know, quit eating at Baskin and Robbins. Go to Hagen Daz. <laughs> anyway, it's, it's, see, God has something better. He says the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You are in your own little kingdom with its crumbling castles and its weak walls. And now I have the kingdom of heaven for you where there's healing, where there's deliverance, where there's power, where there's more than enough just for you and you can share with others. So repent. In other words, stop living in your own kingdom and come into my kingdom. So much better. That's, how, that's the beginning point of going, is repentance. And then Jesus called out. The next thing he says, come follow me. You see, following Jesus will always require a change of location of our hearts, our minds, and sometimes our bodies. All right. Disciple. 
Jesus, making disciples is our assignment. Jesus went on to say, Therefore go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son. So make disciples. And this is at, at every nation. This is what we do. This is why we say making disciples is what we do. Uh, it's the assignment to every church. And we love what, what uh, the famous uh, writer, the, theologian Dallas Willard said. He said, if disciple making is the job of the church, then every church needs to answer two questions. One, do you have a plan for making disciples? And number two, is your plan working? And so we have a plan. We have the four E's. Uh, we we want to engage culture and community, people around us. We want to build relationships, reach out to them, come alongside them. We want to go and, and clean up beaches and, and, and have game nights in order to engage with the people around us, neighbors, friends, coworkers. And then once they, we, we engage with them for the purpose of bringing them to Christ. We're not, we don't want to just be their friends as they head towards an eternity without Christ. We want to bring them to know Christ so that they'll spend eternity with Christ. And then once they come to know Christ, we want to make sure they're established in their faith, established in their relationship with God. Help them to get their roots deep and then we want to help equip them to, to, to minister because we believe everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to get on the court. Um, and then we want to empower them to go and, and to take that and, and minister to others. And so we do the, the 40s discipleship. And you're going to have to do that another time. That's way too small to read. Um, but you can, anyway, join, join our growth track. And we have courses and tools to help with each step of the way. Because we want to be serious about making disciples. And making disciples, that's an action that we do make disciples not just sort of you know we hope you all we hope everybody becomes a disciple no it actually takes some people who are disciples to go get involved with others and help to make them disciples and in all of us in our lives we should have people who are helping us to become better disciples and we should be helping others become better disciples because in the end discipleship is all about relationships it's not about theories. It's not about information. It's not just about religious practices. It's not about taking a bunch of classes and checking them off. It's about walking in relationship with God and relationship with others. That's why Jesus said, here's Christianity. Love God. Love people. And then it says, baptize. And baptize just means all in commitment. He's saying, take that relationship to another level have that dtr define the relationship you know conversation with god and decide to take it to the next level this is what we do we don't just hang around you know and have a bunch of folks that we're fooling around with jesus intends that we find the one and then we go for it and we build that relationship uh, yeah some of the girls say yeah yes go do it guys uh, <laughs> So, you know, it's not like, yeah, you know, I, I'm going to try to, to, to try out as many religions as I can and hope one of them will get me to heaven. No, Jesus says that that's not how it works. You know, my wife and I, we don't just like spend half the time together and I don't tell her, well, 364 days of the year and then one day for just check out someone else. She's, you know, that's not, she's never going to agree to that. Well, you leap year, so I had to get two, two days, you know. But, but 364 days of the year, I'm going to be with you. You know, it's just one day of the year with someone else. That's not going to fly. And it doesn't fly with God either. But it's, we don't jump right to that level of, of commitment. It's, an, it's a process of growing. Uh, but baptism is one of those moments where we say, okay, God, I'm going to commit to the next level. And, and we love that. We celebrate. You know, when people get engaged and someone says, hey, I got engaged, people don't say, oh, okay. You know, 
So what? You don't know. What, what, what do we do when someone says they got engaged? We celebrate, right? When they get married, what do we do? We have a big party and we put food and cake and all this stuff. Why? Because we love when relationships go to the next level. Because that's reflective of what God intends for us. And baptism is one of those moments that we celebrate because your relationship has gone to another level. And so we're going to have that baptism June 3rd. It's going to be awesome. We're going to celebrate with a little sadness because, you know, the thrillers will leave and Kristen's going to go back to South Africa. And, um, but, you know, that's just, we're sending them out as missionaries. That's what we're doing. <laughs> it's going to be, so that'll be exciting too. Sending missionaries woo, to Texas and to South Africa. All right, so uh, go and make disciples. And then teach. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments. So here's what the teaching is. You, everything that we've learned, we teach someone else. And we teach them to obey everything. That's what discipleship is. It takes someone who, you take what you've learned, that the things that you're doing, and you teach them to someone else, and teach them to obey. And you teach them to hear the commands of Christ. That's, that's discipleship. And then the last one, I love this presence. I, it's kind of full circle. We start off, be with Jesus, be like Jesus. And we end up being with Jesus and being like Jesus. And he said, um, be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Because in the end, it's really all about being with him. And honestly, once you've really tasted what it's like to be with Christ, when you've, when you've tasted of what it's like when he starts to speak hope and faith into your life, when you start to experience Jesus pouring his love into your heart and you start to say, man, you start to realize how much Jesus loved us, that he would die on the cross for you and I. And once you start to recognize the love that the creator of the universe has for you, and that that love will never end, and what the scripture says is nothing will ever separate you from that love. I mean, Jesus' love for us is he is over the top romantic towards us. He is foolishly committed to us to the point where it would cost his own life. That's how, he's, how, much, how committed he is to us. He's so committed to us, he, he would go through any shame for us. He would take any blame for you and I. When we mess up, he'll own that shame and that guilt because of how much he loves us. Any penalty, any wrath, any, any punishment come towards us, he takes that for us because he loves us so much. But he does that so that not only can we be free from that punishment and that guilt and that shame from the times that we mess up, but also he does that because he wants to walk with us. And that's an amazing thing. That's why we do things like the Red Letter Challenge and we, we read the scriptures together because there's something sweet about reading the words of Jesus and having him speak something to your heart and then sharing it with somebody else. And I love one, as we're reading through this, different people throw their different ideas of the things that God is say, speaking to them. And there's a fellowship in that, that we have. A fellowship of learning about Jesus together. 
a fellowship of these times when we come together and we worship together and we all kind of sense that I speak Jesus and you just start feeling it. People thinking about their families and how they want to see Jesus come into their families. It's almost like we are coming together in a unified prayer for our families and there's just a power in that. There's a strength when the church comes together flesh to flesh with Jesus and the Spirit of God. That's all I want to encourage you, church. Let's grab a hold of all the things that we've learned in, in this Red Letter Challenge. Let's take it to heart and let's be people who live the words of Jesus. Would you stand with me? As we, we, we bring this Red Letter series to a close, our deep desire the, the church leadership team, our staff, our deep desire for you is that the words of Jesus would become more than just history, more than just philosophy, more than just good ideas or good instructions. But they become, as Jesus said, life. that you'd be someone that we as a church would be a people who embrace Jesus. That we'll come to the place where we, we look forward every morning to waking up, to, to just hearing the, the, the love words of Jesus to us. We look forward to opening up the scriptures and, and, and hearing him speak to us. That our hearts respond like, like when, if you've ever been loved and, and, and gotten a love letter from someone that you were infatuated with, may our hearts respond to Jesus' words like that. And then may we be a people who, who not only have our lives transformed by having Jesus in us, but we would allow that love uh, to begin to transform the lives of people around us. That we'd be those who go whether it's across the world or across the hallway, we take our hearts and we give them away to those who are just desperate for love, desperate for hope, desperate for something to believe in. And they we walk in the footsteps of Jesus and be in that place that people know when they need love, when they need hope, they need encouragement, they'll come to the people of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your great love for us. And Lord, today we, we, we open our hearts and we receive that love. Father, we, we, we repent of our sins and the, 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 the hardness of our hearts and the times that we ignore you, turn away from you, the times that we, we do things that damage that relationship with you. Father, we, we, we ask you, forgive us of our sins. Restore and renew our hearts. Father, for those who've never uh, invited you into their hearts and never experienced that love, I pray that today would be a day when, uh, Lord God, those of us who have that would just, they would just turn from their sin. And so just say, Father, forgive me of my sins. And Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. And we invite you, Lord, to come and, and, and live in our hearts. Jesus, come and be the Lord of my life. 
that Lord, the, the, we would live out those red letter words. We would love others and love you the way that you loved us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. We pray this message spoke to you and built your faith. For more messages like this, visit our website at everynationtaipei.com. You can also send a prayer request and reach out to us anytime. God bless you. Till next time.